This is Bobby Lashley, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. Today's show is so amazing, it's hard to describe. Our guest is so big that I'm starting to rhyme. He is known worldwide and is smarter than you. His strength and his wit are matched by only a few. He's wrestled his way around the globe. He is one of our favorites, if we could be so bold. He's wrestled for years, and he's one of the meanest. Today's unbelievable guest is none other than the genius. It's time for... Another Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Steve Credo and Jonathan Benjamin. All right, welcome everybody to episode number 18 18 18 um i have to say credo i'm gonna go on record here i'm gonna say that this is gonna be our best show to date i i've heard it a lot from you and i think you're right every time today we are gonna be speaking to none other than the genius lanny poffo leaping lanny baby leaping lanny uh he has He's one of those guys that I don't think gets enough credit for the type of work he was doing when he was in WWF. Um, And, you know, he comes from one of the great wrestling families, uh, the Pafos. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of great wrestling families, and uh, we're going to be showcasing them on our show in the weeks and months and years to come. But I think what better family to start with than the Pafos? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably I don't know that his father gets his uh, gets enough credit either. Uh, he's the patriarch of the family, and his name was Angelo Angelo Poffo. Um, he was a Midwestern guy. He started his career in I think like the late '40s in Illinois. Um, he ended up running the promotion, um, the International Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and uh, him. Oh, well, his two sons were also a big part of, too. Uh, Randy, Macho Man, and uh, Leap and Lanny were a big part of that, too, growing up. Yeah, I think one of my favorite facts about Angelo, and um, I, I heard about it through the genius, uh, Lanny, uh, in, a, in another interview he did, but um, he said that he would just do sit-ups all the time just to show people that he could just keep doing them. <laughs> and he was actually on Ripley's Believe It or Not, and he broke a world record um, in 1945 for doing... Are you are, are you ready for this? I'm ready. 6,033 sit-ups. 6,000? I would have just thought that 6,000. I like he actually went the extra effort to do 33 extra ones. Jeez, I'm man. I'm pretty sure I would have stopped at 6. My stomach honest. hurts already, man. I My one big ab is hurting from that. Just thinking of it. Jeez. I could imagine that, doing 6,000. Jeez. That could that can kind of tell you uh, the kind of family that they had right there. So yeah. Hey, Dad, what, what can we do today? Can we go to Disney World? Can we go outside and play? Uh, no. Sit down and do your sit-ups. I'm working on 6,000 right now. Jeez. Jeez. Yeah, that's, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, he was also a baseball player, which if a lot of people, um, a lot of the, I guess, hardcore fans knew that Macho Man 
actually was in the minor and major leagues for That's a, right, yeah. a brief stint. He played for the St. Louis Cardinals. And um, so I guess, you know, they were just an all-around athletic family. Yeah, I mean, his dad started it all. Then, I mean, compared to the two brothers, I guess, you know, you could say that Randy Macho Man had a, the bigger part of the fame out of the whole family. Lanny joined us in a few minutes. I mean, I have a lot of questions to ask him, but I don't want to make it a Randy Macho Man Savage interview, uh, which it's not, but I mean, it's mostly about his family growing up. And we got lots of questions to ask him about his brother, especially the new Macho Man DVD coming out, which we heard that uh, him and his mother is also going to be appearing on. So it should be a nice special and uh, hopefully, you know, a rightful special that's it's t- taken a long time to actually get out there. Maybe yeah, it's, it's long overdue for sure. Um, sure. Uh, do you have a favorite? I know there's a lot, and we're going to be speaking with Lanny, so we can definitely talk about our favorite uh, genius moments. But do you have any favorite like Macho Man moments that you can think of? Well, I mean, there was a lot of great moments. I think if I had to pick one Macho Man moment, it would have to be where I was kind of scarred as a kid. And that was the time where Jake the Snake's Cobra bit the Macho Man. Now, I'll tell you what. There was no reality TV back in the 80s. You know, pro wrestling was your reality TV. You know what I'm saying? And as a little as a little mark, as a little kid sitting there watching this pro wrestling show, to see this happen, a snake biting somebody, I'm telling you, it, it definitely left a mark in me. Uh, scared the crap out of me seeing this happen live on TV. And I think it was probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, things to ever happen that was like, scary i don't know if you want to call it scary on primetime television to where he just got bit by a freaking cobra you know what i'm saying the the teeth would not come out of him either and that's what was so insane is it's just like you keep watching this thinking i mean like in my mind i was still thinking maybe that's like a fake snake like maybe (laughs) maybe the snake is not a lot and then like you know it's he's bleeding and blah yeah, uh, it's it's crazy. But, but, but I mean, I know there's a lot of great accomplishments by the Macho Man. And uh, I mean, that's just one of the little things. I think one of the biggest things, too, I also remember just to touch base on it is that when he became the Macho King, Randy Savage, I think that's when he started to take off into this crazy uh, times 10 persona of the Macho Man, you know, with the robes, the, you know, the, the crowns. Uh, I think Macho Man kind of blew up even bigger when he became the king. I don't know, just in my thought. Yeah, um, I'm going to say that my um, favorite macho moment is something that probably people wouldn't expect from me because they know how much I liked his in-ring career. But um, I was watching a movie one day, and uh, I was, you know, I'm into superhero movies. I'm watching Spider-Man, and uh, all of a sudden, Spider-Man's in a wrestling ring, a cage, um, and all of a sudden, this guy comes around, and who is it? It's none other than Macho Man Randy Savage per- portraying the wrestler Bonesaw McGraw. <laughs> um, it was just over the top. It was everything, uh, you know. And prior to that, I hadn't seen um, Randy Macho Man for very, uh, you know, very long because he had kind of gotten out of wrestling for a while. So to see him in that role. Uh, it was one of my favorites that I've I've ever favorite Macho Man moment right there. Definitely, and uh, guys, if you're listening right now, we just want to make sure you head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. We have tons of shows up there, tons of guests coming up in the near future. But uh, Jonathan, I'm going to put you on the spot, and everybody heard our little genius uh, poem that we gave to everybody. A lot of marks out there love impersonating the Macho Man. I want to hear your best Macho Man impersonation. Tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. I he totally didn't know that was coming too. That was totally on the spot. That was great. I always have a few good Macho Man's <laughs> just just for that sort of occasion. So 
just thinking about Macho Man right now and impression impersonations, I would have to say Jay Lethal gets like the five star rating of Macho Man impersonations. Uh, I, he had some, one of the best as the machismo uh, in TNA. What do you think about that? That was pretty good. Yeah, and what was awesome about that is he actually talked to Macho Man about it, and Macho Man like gave his blessing, said this is amazing, it's great. <laughs> like I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's really good. Jay Lethal is definitely one of the best. Uh, you know, I've seen some interviews where everybody, uh, Matt Stryker actually has a pretty good macho man as well. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to ask him next time we talk to him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of, uh, Lanny, who's also coming up in a minute, you know, he debuted in the seventies. Uh, he, he went around from territory to territory, came into the WWF in 1985, 1989. He became the genius. Uh, maybe it wasn't, you know, the biggest, you know, gimmick going around, but it was, it was definitely different. And I don't think a lot of people back then even knew that he was macho man's brother for the, for the younger marks. Maybe there's a lot of older uh, fans out there who knew it from watching his father from in the ICW. But uh, you know, what did you think about Lanny when he first started being the genius and all? Um, actually, you know, when he started in WWE, it looked like they didn't really know what to do with him. He was kind of leaping Lanny Poffo and he had these Frisbees that he would throw out and it just didn't seem like it's it's like one of those things when you see a guy who has a gimmick, um, we can go on for days about this, but like Steve Austin when he was the ringmaster, like you look at a guy, you see he's got something there, but what he's dealing with right now is not what he should be. You know, he's about he's on the cusp. He's about to break out. So I felt that way with him. Then he became the genius. And I thought, that, you know, now he's got something. And to be honest, if you look at some of the other people that they could have put in that role or whatever he was given um pardon the expression he was given chicken shit and he made chicken salad out of it i believe is the 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 term so um he went on to not only be a good in-ring performer uh he went up against hulk hogan on saturday night's main event he even managed for a while he was managing mr perfect which that's I right yeah was a, mm -hmm. a, just a pair and made match made in heaven yeah I, that was classic too i remember all that uh I, it was good. I mean, it, it fit the spot back then. I think it was perfect. It was. I think it was the right place, right time for him. Uh, granted, you know, he didn't get achieve the the major success that his brother did, but still, I mean, we're talking about him today, and you know, that's success all in, all in all. If you, if you ask me, um, now just briefly before we get to the interview with Lanny, who's uh, standing by in another wrestling podcast studio, waiting to talk to all you fans out there. Uh, if you're listening right now, as we're talking about some of the legendary wrestling families, we're gonna as we're going to be in future shows as as we are today with the Poffos. Uh, let us know your thoughts too out there on our Facebook or Twitter. You can find us at facebook.com/slash another wrestling podcast or on Twitter at a wrestling pod a wrestling pod you can only fit so many characters into a name jonathan but uh you know if you're listening right now and you really have a good memory of either the genius the macho man or even their dad or just all in all the poffos as a, as a whole let us know um because we got some good questions coming up for lanny i know we're going to be asking him about are will they will we ever see them in the hall of fame right jonathan and uh, what are some other ones we want to ask him tonight um i want to know if he's kind of upset that he didn't get to spend as much time in the ring with Macho Man in the WWF, uh, it's something that I've always thought about. You've mm -hmm. got a lot of you know families that have got to spend a lot of time in the spotlight together, and uh, that just didn't happen in WWF. So um, I want to know what his thoughts are on that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, guys, uh, without further ado, we bring to you the genius. The Lanny. genius. <laughs> the genius, Lanny Poffo. Lanny, uh, thanks for joining us. 
Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Basically, uh, the Funks, the Rhodes, the McMahons, the Hearts, the Colognes, and the Poffos. Uh, who, in your opinion, is the greatest wrestling family in history? Um, I would say the McMahons. I'm going to have to say that in all honesty. Because, um, gee, it started with somebody's grandfather. <laughs> it's like, this is certainly snowballed. And um, I had a 21-year career of the seven years I spent in the WWE were definitely my favorite years. As long as you're going to be a prostitute, you might as well be an expensive one. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Lanny, I'm sure we're not the first to ask you this, um, but lately there's been this character in the WWE now. um, His name is Damian Sandow. Um, I'm sure there's been lots of contrast between you and him. What are your thoughts in general about the Damian Sandow character? You ever heard of Joe Gomez? I'm not 100% on Joe well, Gomez. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and uh, he invited me to come to Steve Kern's training camp in Tampa. That's when it was in Tampa. I think they're in Orlando now with NXT. And he said, hey, listen, there's a guy that wants to meet you. He thinks you're the best and everything. So I went in there, and it was, I was very glad because it was, oh, about a, I guess, a year after Randy died or something. And, um, you know, Ricky Steamboat was there, Delphi Rhodes, and Steve Kern, and I got to meet a lot of the old guys, you know, the um, Michael Tundle. Um, they all had a lot of nice things to say about Randy and offered their condolences. Um, and then they introduced me to Damian Sandow, and he asked me if I minded if he would um, steal my gimmick. And I said, well, first of all, I stole that gimmick myself from about 20 different people. <laughs> you know, um, my re- my wrestling, I'd say the greatest influence in my um, effeminate style was Ricky Starr. don't know it. I'll just go on YouTube and check out some of the wrestling stylings of Ricky Starr. The only difference between him and I, um, he was legitimate homosexual, and I'm a fake one. <laughs> And um, he was an actual ballet dancer, and I am not a ballet dancer. I did like six months. Um, and also, he was in Purdue University. He was a boxer and a wrestling champion. So he had the best of all worlds. I knew that, let's face it, when you look at me, you're not afraid like you would be if the boxer man were looking at you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big guy, and um, I don't have that bad news brown look. So when I became a villain, I knew I would never make it unless I did something unusual. So I had about a month off to grow my hair out, buy a few caps and gowns and work on my interviews. And um, I also, you know, looked at a lot of uh, old wrestling footage. And I stole a lot from Ricky Starr. And uh, the poetry was easy. I mean, all you have to do is insult, you know, the sports teams of that locale. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, I, I just, as a matter of fact, I was, I was married at the time and I was practicing my walk that I would use as a genius. And I was going back and forth and my ex-wife, my, my wife at the time, and now my ex, she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm working on my walk. (laughs) She says, you have the guts to walk to the ring like that. And I said, I don't have the guts not to. I said, I'm not big. I'm not mean looking. I, I said I could be a villain. 
and I'm not going to make it unless I do something. Now, Terry Funk told me many years ago that it's not good enough to be good. You've got to be um, peculiar. And since I wasn't born peculiar, I decided to develop peculiarities. And that was the uh, that was the birth of the genius. But when I told um, Damien Sandow, I said, look, I stole the gimmick. I'm not the first person to wear a cap and gown. And uh, besides, he doesn't do poetry, right? No. No. So, I mean, would you say that I stole a gimmick from Edgar Allan Poe or Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? In other words... Um, the real, the only real authentic thing that I had as a gimmick was I did my own poem before every match. Whether you think it sucked or was great, they were my poems. I didn't have a writer. And that's the only thing that I can say was unique and, um, you know, my own and nobody could steal. But you remember TNT, Tuesday Night Titans, and then they shortened it. It was on the USA Network. Oh, yeah. I was a guest on the TNT, and then I did a poem, and when they went to the commercial black, Vince McMahon said, Lanny, that was great. From now on, you do a poem before every match. <laughs> so I thought, see, I was like afraid that I would be boring and never be invited back. That was when I was leaping Lanny. I had no gimmick. I was just brought in. They had no particular plans for me. So I just decided to play my aces and win or lose. I would go down with my best, and I love poetry, and um, I actually love to write songs. But see, my singing isn't good enough, so I have to be. It has to be poetry. And the recitation, you know, trust me. If I were a better singer, I'd be singing instead of doing poems. <laughs> you know, you know. But it's a wise man that knows his limitations. So Ben says, "Lenny, that was great. From now on, you do a poem before every match," and I was so excited. And um, I'm still excited. I mean, what a great... It was such a lucky break. And I really appreciate this big man giving me that opportunity. And, you know, I did so many poems. They can't all be gems. Some are better than others, and sure. some aren't, mm-hmm. you know. But, no, they were all mine. Nobody helped me. And uh, if anybody would have helped me, I would have resented it. All right. Is there any that are your favorites that you can, can share with us? Um I don't know if I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but but maybe those will stick with you. I don't know if there's a, a famous genius poem that you can give us. Behold this humble entourage, their heads are bowed in reverence, at the very slightest whisper of one name, exalting in his splendor, which is altogether fitting, of the people and the lands from whence he came. False monarchies are commonplace as kingdoms rise and fall, but I have a genius full of glory and renown. Say the macho man is everything that everybody everywhere would ever, ever want to wear a crown. I say this king deserves a queen beside him on the throne, and Sherry is the fairest in the land. Nobody else is worthy of this monumental honor and the regal splendor of his royal hand. We witness the dethroning of one Jim the Hacksaw Duggan, whose crown and robe are in a state of ravage. I now remove my mortarboard and place it near my heart, and thus proclaim you Macho King, Randy Savage. That was the only time that Randy and I were ever together in a WWE ring. Wow. wow. That was great. That was the Macho King coronation. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was in Los Angeles for a fan fest, and 
um, a couple, a family that flew in from Manila of the Philippines came in, um, and they had a 10 year old girl and she must've been four foot nothing. And she recited that poem to me better than I <laughs> just did now. Wow. And it, and I said, how did you learn that? He said it was on it was on Randy's DVD that that package of all his best matches. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they did the Macho Man coronation, and she played it over and over again. And she didn't even really speak very good English, but yet because she listened to that over and over, and then she recited it to me, and I felt very good about it. Wow. Now you 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 just touched on it, but um. That was really the only time that you and, and Randy were in the ring together in the WWF, now the WWE. Do you wish that there was uh, more opportunities where the two of you have got, would have gotten to work together? Well, I don't want to be one of those sorry-ass wrestlers that is always complaining about what didn't happen. I like to, you know, in December, I am going to be 60 years of age. And I'd rather be the happiest man in the world. And how do you do that? I'm not feeling like the victim instead of, instead like a victor. Naturally, if I were the booker, I would have had many, many more championship belts. But I wasn't the booker. I was just trying to do my best. And I am appreciative of the way it all turned out. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like, um, there's a lot of wrestlers that gave more than they got. I'm one wrestler that got more than he gave. So I should be slapped in the face, if you know, for complaining about what happened. Um, it was a very good part of my life. Um, I certainly enjoyed it and learned from it. And I know a lot of people. With a, you know, I go to independent wrestling shows sometimes. You know, they bring me in, mm-hmm. and I see, I see young wrestlers that are willing to jump out of the balcony into a cup of water. <laughs> And they have, and they're still waiting for their phone to ring. And I'm thinking, here I am, you know, and I did very, very well with much less. All right, uh, Lanny. Uh, we mentioned I mentioned earlier in the show that you know all the famous wrestling families. Um, you know, since uh, you're coming from a famous wrestling family, was there any friendly competition between you and your brother? Uh, maybe even way before WWE too. Maybe down in the the ICW. Did you guys? You know, being brothers and all, did you ever have any competition with each other or or no? You mean shooting? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, like going out there, who would have a better match, you know? Was there anything like that between you and Randy? Wait a okay, wait a minute. Um, no, because Randy always had the better match. Randy's lousiest match was better than my best one. <laughs> so, you know, so that was, you know, once you uh, establish that fact, um, you know, you just have to accept it or not accept it. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Rick Flair said, "Whether I like it, or whether I don't." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> All so, right. Now, now listen, uh, Randy was—he uh, was the macho man, and I was not. So there you had it. All right. Okay. Now we uh, learned recently you've been interviewed for the upcoming DVD um, that WWE is putting out for your on your late brother, the the. Macho Man Randy Savage. Is there anything you can tell us about that project? Um, who came to you to, to talk to you about it? Or if it's, I, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I can't wait because we don't have any real interviews about that. We just have the, you know, like you mentioned, the matches DVD. So 
Uh, is this a must-see DVD? Yes, it is. Um, here's why. Um, my mother didn't want to be in it. And I talked her into it. And she was phenomenal. You know, she's going to be 88 years old in January. Uh-huh. And she's still... Listen, I don't want to get negative. Um, she's still harboring resentment that nobody offered her condolences from the WWE. Mm-hmm. And I said, Mom, look at it this way. This is not about the macho man. This is about the macho fan. And they're the ones that gave him his lifestyle. They're the ones that made him go to the top of the mountain and live there for many, many years. And he had a great life. And it's all because of the module fan. So I said, and I'll tell you something too. Kieran Bent is the man from the WWE that was the producer of this video. Now, after my father died and after my brother died, I sold my my house and I live with my mother. And, you know, I take care of her and she's, she has good days. She has bad days. But she's still got it up here. You know, she's still, her elevator gets to the top floor and she gave, she doesn't feel 100% comfortable, you know, with a live microphone like you guys do. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not for everybody. And I said, you know, if it were live, I could see where you have anxiety because, you know, if you're lousy and it's live, you know, that's it. You suck, mm-hmm. you know. But this is uh, cherry picked. In other words, um, they talk to you for an hour and then they pick out little snippets of what you say and then they mix it in with everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you're at the, um, you are at the discretion, you know, of the editor. They can make you look like an ass or they make you look really great. Well... Kieran Bent came over with his sound crew and his cameras and everything. And what do you think he had for my mommy? What's that? A bouquet of flowers. Oh, that's nice. I'll tell you what, it meant something. Absolutely. And he was a charming person. And then about a month ago, you know, I I texted him and I said, uh, how are you doing with the projects? Is there any way I can get an advanced copy, or do I have to wait till November 18th? So he says, we have a rough card. I'll send it to you. And, you know, they were asking me all these questions, and I just treated it like a shoot interview. And I had no idea that they would use any of that. <laughs> yeah. You know, because um, they used all of it. They used all the uh, controversial things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were a few things about it I didn't like, and there was a few things about it that I thought were phenomenal. But all in all, it is a must-have. Uh, November 18th, it's coming out. Um, I don't know if you should get the... I guess they got the expensive one or the inexpensive one, right? The, yes. The one with the, You know, I don't know which one you're going to get, but you better get one of them. <laughs> Definitely. And yeah, I, this is... Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say the the expensive one that you're talking about comes with the the one the upcoming one that you're talking about. It comes with the Macho Man Greatest uh, Matches DVD. I think there's a T-shirt, some glasses, and a bandana. I'm I'm looking forward to to that for sure. Well, you know, 
I don't mean to get kiddly with you guys, but you know why I don't give marital advice? Why is that? Because I'm a one-time loser. Because I was married once, divorced once, and you know, <laughs> my I just went to my daughter's wedding. She's thirty. She's in Lexington, Kentucky. I got to see my ex-wife with her new husband and everything, and you know, I put on my happy face and I enjoyed myself. Um, but I don't give marital advice because, well, you know, why would you want to hear it from a divorced man? <laughs> but what I couldn't help but notice, and I must mention to you guys, because I saw the rough cut of the DVD. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, it, it just does not seem to amaze me that the most vociferous detractors of the way Randy treated Elizabeth are not only divorced, but multiply divorced. Like, for example, Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. I just read his, I just read his Wikipedia. It does not read like the New Testament. <laughs> and he's been married how many times? Three? I mean, what's he doing? Going for the record? <laughs> and then and then he's standing there, you know, talking about Randy's treatment of Elizabeth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, she didn't die in Randy's room, you know. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know, and by the way, let me just say that Randy loved Lex Luger and never blamed him. Because there's a disease going around called It's Not My Fault Syndrome. But if I overdose at your house, that's my fault. That's not yours. Yeah. Unless you uh, put something in my drink. You know, but listen, if anybody, you know who puts something in her drink? Elizabeth did. See what I mean? So sure. why do you point, what, you know, I wouldn't point fingers. I mean, she was over 18. As a matter of fact, she was in her 40s. So, um, but the thing is, when you watch this, you know, this interview, it's amazing um, the comments that a lot of, see, Dusty Rhodes was in it. He had nice things to say. Um, a lot of a lot of good people, you know, Gene Okerlund. Um, but the two people that I called up on the phone to thank was Brett the Hitman Hart and Diamond Dallas Page because their remarks were beautiful. Now, I don't see why anybody would use an opportunity like this to trash Randy anyway. Mm. Yeah. I, I just thought everybody that was interviewed was divorced except one guy, and that's Pat Patterson, and he's a rump ranger. You know, he doesn't play for that team. So, <laughs> But but still, the way they edited it, you know, um, I would make a remark, and then they would prove it by the other remarks. You know, believe me, it's it's fascinating. You really got to see it. I I'm not doing it justice, but, uh, and you know who was great in the, I don't know where they found it. I've never seen it before, but they had highlights in it of an interview with Randy in 1993 or 94, Mm -hmm. where he was at the fork in the road of his career. And it was like, he was narrating his own interview, you know, his own, uh, posthumous CD, Uh a DVD. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Sure, yeah. Well, we, we're definitely going to buy it. I know our fans are definitely going to buy it, too. And uh, uh, I was speaking of uh, writing about some stuff. I mean, you, you touched a little bit about uh, on alcohol awareness and drug awareness. And uh, you've written two books already. Um, 
and one was uh, related to drug and alcohol awareness uh, directed towards younger children. Did you have any plans to maybe write any other uh, books down the road or uh, anything like that you have in store for anybody or your fans? Well, I've actually turned down so many uh, offers for this from publishing companies because um, if I ever did it, I want to do it right and I want to be perfectly honest. And I didn't want my mother to suffer any more than she already has. Because if I do it, it would be, you know, the real deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, no, I've turned down quite a few offers already. because I just think it's too soon. About the books that I wrote, one was Wrestling with Rhyme. And the other was Limericks from the Heart and Lungs. Now, Limericks from the Heart and Lungs was 335 limericks all about smoking. And thanks to a thing called Kindle, I'm now an international bestseller in both books. All right. In in the Kindle edition. Now, I'll tell you why that means a lot to me. Because I've been turned down more times than a bed sheet <laughs> by um, Random House, um, you know, all the big publishing companies. Oh, they don't even turn you down. They just don't answer your letter. You see what I mean? They just... And then uh, even WWE didn't want to publish me. So when I'm an international bestseller, and that kind of, you know, Kindle leveled the playing field for the small uh, publishing house. Sure, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, when I became number um, when I became um, international bestselling author in Kindle, in both books, uh, I hate to be childish, but yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in, in the words of Eric Cartman and Cal Park, yeah, 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 yeah. I made you meet your parents. <laughs> um, now, Lanny, I, I have to ask a question that I'm not for sure how much you had uh, to do with this, and I've only heard bits and pieces from different people, so... I wanted to know if you could shed some light on anything that happened between the Paphos and the Dundees in Memphis. Well, the day it happened, I was in, I was with George Weingroff, El Brazero, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time. Um, we were in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we were at the World Fair in okay. Knoxville. And then when I got back to Lexington, that's when the fit hit the shand. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and look, this is a this is a part with the W with the ICW, I was a hostage. Okay. I had absolutely no interest or desire to open up a rival promotion to anybody. I was happy just doing what I was doing, going from territory to territory, seeing the world. Um, I love the territories, and I was happy. But my my brother, my father, and my mother said, hey, come join us in Lexington, and I did. And it was a family thing. And Randy thought it would be nice to challenge the other people, and he did. And... Um, I did not choose the ICW, okay? Uh, I was drafted. I did not enlist. But, you know, family comes first, and uh, 
I was the youngest in the family, and that was not always my favorite position. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I don't know if you know what that means. But <laughs> Absolutely. That's from, it's a story of a lovely lady. Anyway, <laughs> so, anyway, kicking and screaming, I went into ICW, and I was not happy about the fact that all this violence was occurring. You know, I was, a, I got into wrestling to be an entertainer and I was only interested in the money I made, the money I saved, the money I invested. And also I was, I'm not the best driver in the world. I've never had an accident, but I certainly caused them, you know, <laughs> so I, so I like to do is I, I like to leave early for trips. So I, so I don't have to make up for it with my foot on the gas, you know, and, um, a lot of my friends have died and a lot of my friends have been injured. I think Magnum TA would have been one of the greatest wrestlers in the world had he not been in a car accident. But I digress. Anyway, I wasn't happy about hearing about Randy hitting Dundee. That was not, um, but that's life's about choices and he made his. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's about the size of that. But, I don't like to, even now, I don't like arguments. I don't want to fight. It's always the um, the last resort of a limited mentality. Sure. But Randy enjoyed that type of thing. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm kind of water off a duck's back, and he's kind of mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, and if you ever read the book or seen the title, um, Let's see, with the, um, don't sweat the small stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, Randy swept the small stuff. All right. Now, uh, I know you've been asked this a lot, and I don't want to, you know, have this be the millionth time you've been asked. But, of course, we want to know. We want to hear from you on our show. Uh, you know, when will we see the Poffos take the rightful place in the WWE Hall of Fame? Do you think it'll be anytime soon, or uh, any thoughts to that? I don't think so. Uh, I think... I think it's going to be one of those unanswered questions and it's going to go on instantly. You know, let's face it. You got a few things, right? At least you got Bruno San Martino in there. Yes. That took, that took forever. And, uh, but you know what really pissed me off? What's that? Matt, were you there in Madison Square Garden when uh, Bruno uh, got inducted? Yeah, yeah, we yes. were there. Yes, we were. Okay. You see a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman like Maria Menounos. Mm -hmm. And she gave the greatest speech I've ever heard. I, I know where you're going with this. About, about one of the best people that I've ever met in the wrestling business, Bob Backlund. Mm -hmm. You know, Bob Backlund almost doesn't belong in wrestling because he's too nice. You see what I mean? It's like, if you, you know, like, what do you think of wrestlers? Well, you know, wrestlers are this and that. But Bob Backlund is that and this. He's like the antithesis of what a wrestler is. He doesn't cuss. He doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. Uh, he won't tolerate, um, you know, bad language. He lives by principles. And Maria Menounos went out there and gave the most beautiful introduction to Bob Backlund. And you people booed her. 
You suck. <laughs> yeah, we were actually talking about this on our last show, Lanny, too, because uh, we were talking about how many, like, a lot of the fans online will complain about stuff. But me and Jonathan, you know, we always talk. We love we love pro wrestling, and we love going to these events. And we were talking about that the other day, right, Jonathan, to where, you know, there was people there that were just booing or, or, or saying stuff at the event that we were like, why? We're here because we love it, and we respect you guys and all the wrestlers. And some of these fans, I don't know, they just come in there and they just want to boo because – I, they want to hear themselves speak, I guess. I don't know, but we we were just talking about that last show. Yeah, it's uh, but I mean, it's like who you you see. I know it's bad to boo, but who were you booing? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is somebody. Now, if I had a son, which I don't, I just have a daughter, and she's thirty. But if I had a son, I would want her to be like Bob Backlund. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that would be too much to hope for, really. I mean, that would be unrealistic goals. I'd be just happy if he didn't get tattoos and if he stayed out of prison most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, this guy is um, a phenomenal person here. And Maria Menounos, could you ask for a, a hotter girl to right. be, you know. Exactly. She's, <laughs> she's, hotter than, she's hotter than every diva. Oh, yeah. You know, she's a very... Um, she gave a hell of a speech, and she, and she got she got booed out of Madison Square Garden. I said, "What the hell is going on?" Mm. You know, it's like. Well, then I thought of the joke. Uh, how many New Yorkers does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, how many? None of your fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want you to know before this goes any further that we didn't boo because I don't want to be on your bad side. <laughs> I know, I know that you said that you you know you're. Don't sweat the small stuff, but I still am legitimately afraid of you. So I just oh man, you! I am the most I'm the most benign gentleman that you'll ever meet. <laughs> That's what they all ten say. Ar- <laughs> yeah, ten arrests, no convictions, <laughs> a, perfect, a perfect record. <laughs> so there's literally hundreds of stories over the years of wrestlers getting, and I'm using the term ribbed throughout the years. Um, were you ever a victim of those, or were, did you ever? rib somebody. I hate ribs and I hate rippers. Okay. okay. And I've never, and I've never, um, except for Owen Hart, his ribs were diabolically clever. You know, he, he didn't, um, he didn't ever mess with your suitcase to my knowledge. He did like, um, for example, he was sharing a room with Ken Patera and Ken Patero was expecting a lady friend to be, you know, calling and, you know, he had given her room number, mm-hmm. his room number out. So he'd be chewing tobacco and spitting it into a cup. And then Owen Hart knew that he was hoping that, you know, that he would get, you know, a little company. So he knocked on the door, bam, 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 bam. And so Ken Patero got all excited took the tobacco out of his mouth, rinsed his mouth out, went to the door, there's nobody there. <laughs> so he put the tobacco back in his mouth and starts spitting into the tobacco, hoping the girls show up. Which, you know, so you know what? He knocked on the door three different times and he fell for it three different times and he never, ever smartened them up. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, and then he was knocking on that, oh, you know, and that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. A young guy taking advantage of an older guy. You know, like, <laughs> he was a smart guy. There you go. I think the, now the reason, 
a lot of the wrestlers were using suitcases for toilets back then. Uh. <laughs> okay, and I don't consider that a rip. And there was about... Uh, when I got fired the first time, um, and then I was brought back as the Beverly Brothers manager, Yes. Randy said, hey, listen, things are different now. You've been gone for six months. He says, everybody's shitting in everybody's suitcases now. It's really bad here. <laughs> and he said there was eight guys doing it, and he named them, okay? And um, so I had my cap and gown, and my first town was Rochester, New York, for TV. And I got there early, and I hid my suitcase so well that I could not find it myself. <laughs> No, it's just, I should have put a like a GPS on it or something. <laughs> but um, you know what? Nobody ever used my suitcase as a toilet, and I think I have a reason why they didn't. They were afraid of my brother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but now I no longer have that advantage. So now I feel more vulnerable to whatever you know. So. It'll happen eventually. I probably deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, Lanny, is there, I don't know, any piece of advice you've ever received during your run in professional wrestling that, you know, was, you think that was probably some of the best advice you've ever gotten that you you might want to share? Is there anything like that? Yeah. uh, Remember the Sheik, the original Sheik, the promoter of Detroit Uh and Ohio? Yep. He told me, Lanny, I'm not against anything that's going to get over. And I said, wow, what a fantastic thing to say. And if you think about it, does it really matter how you get over? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's so rare that anybody gets over because the public is jaded. They've seen it all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, there's there's a hundred fantastic workers out there, and they're all waiting by the phone, can't even get a break. You know, and they got guys with 22-inch arms that are ripped to shreds. And uh, you're going to have to come up with something that's going to get over. That's why I went to extremes with the genius. You know, I decided to just go for broke because, you know, when you've been there five years as Leaping Lanny and, uh, you know, you've been spattered on the windshield of life, and they give you a break. It's like you, you can reinvent yourself. I was not about to uh, take it lightly. And then I never forget Hulk Hogan grabs me by the wrist and he brings me into the shower room and says, Lanny, you're working like a fag out there. And I said, do you want me to stop? And he says, no, I want you to do it more. <laughs> wow. He says, because I have an idea that I can make fun of you and mock you. Would you mind if I mock you? And I thought to myself, let's see. One of us is a, one of us is a jabroni, and the other one is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I guess it's okay if he mocks me. <laughs> so that was a pretty good decision, right? Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think I did okay that day in NBC. I went from zero to hero, and I had enough time to get back to zero again. You know, I think that. Sometimes the way the the business works, but you had a heck of a run. I think um, you're still going today. Um, I but, drank, I drank from the silver chalice of success for one brief shining moment. 
you know, but like you said, there's people that are waiting by their phone and there's some people that were in the business just as long and never got that. So that's true. Um, and I'd rather be known as the lousiest worker that made it rather than the best worker that didn't. Absolutely. Um, and, um, you ever heard of Freddie Patek? He was a baseball player. He was five foot four, listed at five foot four. And they interviewed him. He says, you are the smallest um, person in baseball, in Major League Baseball. How does that make you feel? I said, he said, better than the tallest guy in the minor leagues. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'm, Hulk Hogan hasn't done a thing for me lately, but I'm still appreciative. You know, he's still, so when I finally die and I get to put my whole life before me, um, the highlight reel is mainly because of him. Thank you, Hulk Hogan, uh, for choosing me to uh, to mock. Some people have trouble with, with Hulk Hogan. Um, and I know that you said that you're really not into being negative or anything like that. But is there one person that you had trouble with during your time in professional wrestling? Like someone that just rubbed you the wrong way? Let me think. Um, you know, I was very popular in high school, although I didn't actually know it. It's like I kind of took it for granted that I liked everybody, so they'd like me back. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really give it much thought. Somehow when I got into wrestling, uh, it wasn't as easy to be popular because I was a young guy, skinny, bad complexion. You know, I was just hanging around, didn't look like a wrestler, and uh, I felt resented. And then, slowly but surely, I started making some friends, but some wrestlers are very, very nice, and some are not. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I was leaping Lanny, I used to do jobs for people like Terry Funk. I loved doing that. I, he was the, I thought he was so great, and I was so lucky to be in the ring with him. And besides, he made me look better than if I beat somebody. And, you know, he would make me look good before he beat me. Yeah, and uh, and that's Terry Funk. Let me tell you, he's he was the man, and Harley Race. I didn't mind that, and Jake the Snake Roberts was so great. But the guy that I hated putting over was Bam Bam Bigelow, and I thought to myself, what a sorry ass suck piece of trash they trying to build up here. <laughs> you know, first of all, they call him a big man. He's not even big. I was taller than he was. You know, and they, they put on that zoot suit that he never washed. I wrestled him like 10 days in a row, and it smelled like ammonia. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, cat piss or something. Yeah. And he would get me in the leg scissors and stuff, and I said, there's got to be an easier way to make a living than this. <laughs> and then, in, and then in the, he would beat me and never thanked me. You know what I mean? So, oh. So, um... You know, I'm sure people like him. I'm sure somebody does. I did check Wikipedia and heard that he was, a, after all the money he made, he was a deadbeat father. You know, his uh, his ex-wife sued him for all this money that he had not paid for the upbringing of his child. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is um, an embarrassing thing in the news. So, um, I mean, there are people that have, died in wrestling that I've actually wept for. His his obituary I approved of. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, as a pro wrestler, is there what's the best thing that's ever happened to you 
because you were a pro wrestler. Is there anything you could tell us about? Well, you get laid a lot. <laughs> Bingo. And, uh, and, and the thing is, too, um, and, you know, I love those groupies. I, I mean, and, um, they're phenomenal until they get married and then they develop a different attitude. <laughs> um, as soon as they get their promotion, you see. But um, I would say things that happened, I, I'm just lucky to be the son of Angelo Papo. He imparted a lot of wisdom on me. And, um, I'm glad I was listening. And um it was just a it was just a good time. I'm just glad I survived it is all. You know. Um there's car wrecks, there's things that go bump in the night. You know, you gotta be careful. There's it's not always uh and you you know, try to keep your name out of the news. There's certain things that you're doing these days. I you mentioned that you're still going around doing some independence. Okay, I'm going to be, uh, just go on GeniusLannyPoffo.com. Okay. That's GeniusLannyPoffo.com. And um, I just talked to uh, Frank Milano of the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame in Amsterdam, New York, October 25th. I'm going to be signing signing autographs in Amsterdam. Okay. I'm also going to um, uh, Montreal and Ottawa, and um, Toronto for some Comic-Cons. And, you know, I just don't have the dates for you, but I think November 22nd stands out. I don't accept all the... You know, if the phone rings, I may accept it, I may not, because I really... Unless I really want to do something, I really don't. Sure. Okay, so uh, I mean, there, there was a time when I would take any offer that I would get. Now I just, I'm a little bit more, for a few reasons. Number one, um, my life now is um, the aristocratic pleasure of doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. And also, uh, my mother needs looking after, so I make sure that if I leave town, it's for a good reason. Now, Lenny, this brings us to our little lightning round. It's basically like almost like a word association, if you will. What is your IQ? Oh, hi. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, wait a minute. Hi, hi, uh, hi for a wrestler, medium for everybody else. Right. <laughs> um, you were you worked with um, the late Kurt Henning. Um, so can you give us one word to describe Mr. Perfect? Maestro. Right. Who is your favorite poet? Favorite poet would be Shel Silverstein. That's a great one. And your favorite macho moment? Favorite macho moment? Um, let me boy, there's so many macho moments. Oh, yeah. Favorite macho moment was Randy and I would go to the Special Olympics. And um, you ought to see him interact with the kids. It was just... That was beautiful to watch him do that. And they treated him like the Beatles of 1964. Wow. All right. Uh, who is the greatest wrestler of all time in your eyes? Okay. Greatest wrestler of all time, uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers in the 50s and 60s. 
Uh, in the 80s would be the Macho Man Randy Savage. In the 70s, I'm going to go with Terry Funk and Jack Driscoll. Um, in the 90s, uh, I got to go with The Rock and Steve Austin. And then I'm going to have to say Rey Mysterio in later dates. And I'm not a good guy to ask about what's going on now because I don't watch a lot of television uh, anymore. I do, I do have a Roku where I, you know, I have Pandora and you know different things like that. But I'm just not a television guy. All right. And lastly, the last one we'll ask on the lightning round is one word to describe Vince McMahon. The real genius, and I know that's three words. That's but, perfect. You know, he's the, he's the perfect combination of balls and brains. And I always thought if you had balls, you couldn't have brains. If you had brains, you can't have balls. I would always choose brains when I got to the fork in the road. But he's got both. He's got a pair and a spare. <laughs> awesome. Well, Lanny, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. And we'll be hopefully hearing from you uh, soon. Okay, and uh, my books, A Limerick from the Heart and Lungs and uh, Wrestling with Ryan, are available on Kindle. So right. check it out and do it. And uh, thank you so much. I, uh, by the way, um, I speak 11 languages. Escuchen, por favor. Santana comes from Mexico. Yo hablo más mejor. The French I speak is magnifique. They told me in Paris. My Italian is molto bene. I learned when I was three. I speak Latin, Greek, and Russian, Hebrew, and Portuguese. I speak Swedish and Norwegian, and I'm learning Japanese. Aside from my intelligence, I'm cunning as a rat, and I shall put these attributes to use upon the map. I remind the competition and every foreign fan, behold, the world's greatest genius, the world's smartest man. Thank you. Wow, Jonathan. Lenny, he, he's a great guy to talk to, man. He really tells it like it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, not very many people have gotten this side of Lanny before. Um, he's definitely passionate about this business, his family, and he was just all around a great guy to have on the show. That's right. And uh, Jonathan also today sponsored, we are sponsored today, Jonathan, by the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame over up in Latham, New York. Uh, Lanny is going to be up there. So all you guys in the Northeast, if you want to head on over to the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, be sure to check out Lanny Poffo October 25th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can make sure you head on over to Facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Hall or check out PWHF.org for more information. So you heard him today. Now go meet him October 25th. That was a good show. I told you, it's probably one of our best shows. That's I'm going to hold you to that next week when we will be joined by... Do you know who's joining us next week, Jonathan? Zeus. That's right, Jonathan. Tiny Zeus Lister will be joining us on another wrestling podcast. You guys might remember him from No Holds Barred. He saved the city of Gotham in the Dark Knight. And, hey, 
don't mess with Debo, all right? Because uh, he will definitely ride in on his bicycle and kick your ass. So, guys, next week we have none other than Zeus, Tiny Lister, joining us on another wrestling podcast. Be sure to head on over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. You will find all of our links to like us, follow us, subscribe to us. And, uh, hey, leave us a message. Leave us some love. We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. And one more thing. If, you, if you're listening to us and you're, you're really wishing you could help us out right now, sure. Head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Another Wrestling Podcast and pick up a shirt because you, today, tomorrow, could be owning another wrestling t-shirt.